Hey, so we're continuing in Romans today. We've been going through Romans. We were in chapter 6. We've done the first half of chapter 6. And then God took us on a bit of a detour. Bible's never a detour because you cut the Bible anywhere and it bleeds. That's just the way it works. It's all about Christ. And uh, so uh, we two weeks ago, he took us through Daniel. And we uh, learned about the statue and about the end times and really what was all going to happen and how we're past the head of gold, which was Babylon. We're past the chest and arms of uh, Medo-Persia and Persia. We're past the torso and legs of uh, uh, Greece, uh, Alexander the Great and his kingdom. We're past the legs in the iron where there was, there was a Roman government. And, and, and so since the Romans are gone, we're somewhere in the feet. We're somewhere down there. We don't know how long we stay in each part, but we do know that Christ is coming back at some point. Amen? And, and we should be excited about that. If you're not excited, it means you're in love with this world just a bit too much. And so, man, you, don't, you know what you're missing of what we're going to have in heaven. And so we are, man, we're in the last generation, however long all that lasts, and we have the most important job in the universe, and that is to share the gospel. We have the cure to death, man. That is actually better than having the cure to cancer. And I want you to think about that. You have the cure to eternal death, and it's called the gospel of Jesus Christ, man. So we've got that. Then last week, God, uh, not another detour, but it was a detour out of Romans, but we celebrated the Lord's Supper, and we had communion. And then now we're back in the second part of Romans chapter 6. So what Paul did in the first part of Romans is really for the first three or four chapters, he said, look, guys, you guys are sinners. I don't want any of y'all thinking that you don't need to be saved. Salvation is needed. That's what he said. He goes on to say salvation has been provided through Christ. Now you have to accept it. But he spent a great deal of time saying you need salvation. And it kind of culminated even to the point where, look, everybody, because of Adam, came into this world as a sinner. That's why we sin. If you were born a dog, you would what? You'd bark. If you were born a dog, you'd bark. But you were born a sinner, so you sin. You're not, you don't like sin and all of a sudden, oh, dang, I'm a sinner now. No, you come in this world as a sinner, so you sin, and we know you're a sinner because the consequences of sin, which we're going to see at the very end of chapter 6, is death. And, and every single person here is going to die unless you're born again and we have the rapture, but that's the consequences. And you come into this world in the family of Adam. You have no choice. You are lost. You come in as a family of Adam. The family of Adam dies. The family of Adam goes to hell. But God, that is not, that's not where you got to stay. You can be born again, and you can get out of the family of Adam and become part of the family of Christ. Amen? And it's justification by faith, which Paul talks about. He said, look, all you got to do by faith, God's going to give you grace, the desire and ability to believe this, but by faith, you have to take it. And believe that what Christ did on the cross paid for your sins. Christ lived a perfect life. How many of y'all lived a perfect life? Anybody here? No. How many of y'all blew on perfection? <laughs> Long time ago. How many of y'all blew it this morning? Right? Anybody blow it this morning? I was doing so good on the road, and I blew it on Indian River Drive. I just, I blew it. I always do. And, but again, Christ lived a perfect life. And, and, what he did at the cross is he gave me his perfect life and he took my imperfect life along with all the penalties and all the payments and everything that goes with that. And so now God looks at me 
as if I am Christ, because he treated Christ as if he was me. And we made this great exchange, and I'm born again, and I am saved forever. Anybody else that way? Anybody else excited about that? Yeah, that's us. That's us. And so Paul makes this great statement of, look, dude, here's what you have by faith. And he brings it all in. So then he starts addressing some questions. We were saved by grace. So is there anything, Kaylin, is there anything we can do to lose our salvation? No, dude, there's nothing we can do to lose our salvation. There's nothing we can do to blow it. God gave it to us. It is a promise. And as a promise he made, it's not conditional on you or me. Amen? Because, <laughs> oh, it's a promise solely on him, and he never blows his promises. He never breaks his promise. So there's nothing. So people had a lot of questions about this. Because the Jewish faith, they're like, oh, no, dude, it's all about keeping the law. Dude, what are you telling people? You can't be telling people that they're, they're saved and they can't lose. No, it's by keeping the law because that was the Mosaic covenant that they had, which is equivalent to us once we're born again. It's equivalent to us living the abundant life. The mo our salvation isn't conditional, but our, our, our abundant life, our spirit-filled life being full of the spirit, that is conditional. You want to live in sin, you don't get you get to live in the flesh. You want to live in the spirit, you get to live in the fruit of the spirit. And so again, that's kind of the equivalent. But they're like, no, no, your salvation, the Mosaic Covenant. Like, no, no, we don't get saved that way. That's what I've came to tell you, Christ changed that. He changed it. So they got so they had salvation, but they're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. This takes me all through life. I've got a lot of questions. So what about this? And so at the beginning of chapter six, here was the first question. All right, get this. Trent, get this, man. I, I haven't seen you while I'm going to pick on you today. but and, and the, So the first question was, all right, Trent, follow me in this logic, all right? This is the Romans chapter 6, verse 1. They're like, okay, so is there any sin I can commit that God's grace will not cover? What's the answer to that? No. His, the most heinous sin, the worst sin I can commit, God's grace will cover. And, and, that's, and that's the truth. In fact, the greater the sin, the greater the grace. How many of y'all think that's good news? Yes. So they're like, huh, let me think about that. So if that's true, and who gets glory when God takes this wretched sinner that I am and he saves me by grace and he's covered? Who gets glory for that? God gets glory. Okay, so here, here's logic. Here's the logic for people looking for loopholes because that's what chapter six is all for, loopholes. And they're like, okay, so... God, there's no sin I can commit, Brandon, that God's grace will not cover. And when God's grace covers the worst sins, who gets the glory, Scott? God gets the glory. I got an idea. Woo! Let's all go commit sin, and we can live however we want since the flesh is evil and the spirit's what's going to live forever. Let's all go commit sin, and when God's grace covers it, God gets glory. How many of y'all like that idea? Please don't raise your hand. <laughs> but that was what Romans chapter 6 verse 1 says. They had that idea. If God gets glory when he uses his grace to cover a sin, and the worse the sin, the greater the glory. Dude, I got a loophole. We can live however we want, do whatever we want, and God, the worse we live, Jimmy, the greater the glory for God. And Paul says, no, no, no. I don't think you understand grace. <laughs> it, it's not a freedom to sin. It's a freedom from sin. Man, he said, you don't understand. God rescued you out of that lifestyle. 
God, there's consequences to sin. And God rescued you from having to experience those consequences. So whether the grace or not, you're still going to have consequences with your sin. And he said, no, that's a ridiculous statement. God, yes, God gets glory when he covers your sin. But man, if you sin willfully and, and that's your idea, you got bad theology. You got bad doctrine. And yes, those are valuable words. Doctrine's important because what you believe is how you're going to live. And we need to know what the word of God does say. And so right off the bat in chapter six, verse one, he says, no, you are not going to glorify God by living a sinful life. Get that out of here. And that's where stoicism, that's where uh, all the isms kind of Gnosticism. Hey, the body's evil, but the spirit's good. So dude, I can't help what's going on in the body. He starts covering that in chapter seven. We'll see that. And, and I know you read chapter seven, Barb, a few weeks back and you're like, I'm whoop. just put the puree on the blender, man, on your head. We'll, we'll cover it. I promise at some point we're, we're, we're headed that way. Hopefully he finished chapter six today, but he'll tell us more about all of that. But at the beginning, he's like, no, God is not glorified. Because he covers your willful sins. That's not, you, you misunderstood. It, 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 you don't have to jump in the fire anymore. Uh, Skylar, where's Skylar at? Skylar, you, you, you were out there and, and I'm coming in and you were like, Whoa! and I was like, oh, you're dancing because you're happy you're married to my daughter. And he's like, no, I stepped in fire ants. Now, <laughs> you didn't hear the first part. <laughs> you stepped in fire ants, dude. He was like, Whoa! you know, how'd that feel, man? Not good. Do you know you do not have to step in fire ants? Yes, but if you're a sinner and fire ants are sin, you have no choice but to step in fire ants. You live in fire ants. How many of y'all would love to have a pile of fire ants in your seat right now? How many of y'all would love to live in fire ants? Or how many of you would be begging for a way out of the fire ants? How many of y'all would do anything to get rid of the fire ants and to stay out of the fire ants? And, and so, man, that's, that's sin. Sin, the consequences, like fire ants. And so now you've got relief from the fire ants because, man, the Savior has saved you from the fire ants. And now you're like asking, hey, so God, can, can I have some more ants in my pants? <laughs> what? <laughs> can I have more ants in my pants? You know, do you not remember what it was like to live in sin? You've been delivered from it. No, no, you don't want to go back there again. But isn't that the nature of our flesh? We lose the old man, but the flesh, every once in a while, wants to have ants in his pants again, doesn't he? And then what happens when we get ants in our pants? What do we do then? What do we do then, Trent? Yeah, wow! I mean, isn't that even in the book of... of uh, um, Josh, Judge, uh, uh, judges, in the book of Judges, the cycle. Here's Israel living awesome. Everything's great. And when everything's great, what is your tendency in following the Lord when everything's great? Oh, God, I got it. <laughs> I got it, God. And so what happens is you got it. Andrew, you ever got it? And what happens when you got it? You're, 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 you think you got it, and there's minimal consequences, and you're like, okay, well, I can still deal with this, and I got it, I got it. About halfway down, you're realizing you're down here, and you can't get back up on your own accord. You're like, and who do you scream out to now? God, save me! 
God, I got fire ants in my pants. Help me out. And, and you're going down. And right here at the very bottom, you're like, we'll do anything, God. He's like, well, how about when you're up here, just stay up here. Anything but that, you know, because we forget you rescued us from the ants in our pants. And, 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 but we, we, we thought there was, there was some fun with the ants in our pants. And, but it isn't fun now. God rescue us and God would send in the book of Judges, somebody to teach him a lesson. He sent people to destroy him. He sent people to bring consequences so that when they got rescued from it, they would never want ants in their pants again. And so here it is, man. Save us, save us, so God would bring a Savior. But saving our, our eternal salvation is instant but saving us in our sanctification, saving us from ants in our pants. Hey, Skylar, you got ants in your Did they make in your pants by any way? They didn't make, your legs are awful long. Mine are short, dude. If they get on my feet, dude, they're in my pants, bro. I'm just saying, there's an advantage of long legs. But, but, but literally, dude, did you instantly get them off of you? Instantly, all of them, you're like, be gone, boom. And the itch is gone, be gone. Or were you instantly relieved from the ants on your legs? It was a process. And so down here, they're like, God, help us, save us. And it's a process. And we've got a process. And all of a sudden, whoo, <sighs> And that's how you're feeling right now. No effects from ants, right? Emily, he's not getting any ants on you, is he? All right. Because you know what that happens? you got ants in your pants. You're going to get them on the people next to you, too. And that's true with the sin. So here's Israel. Oh, thank God. How many of y'all made that cycle before? Any of y'all made that cycle Oh, I got it, God, I got it. No, I don't got it. No, I don't got it. Oh, man. oh. How many of y'all been there? How many of y'all been there more than once? How many of y'all learned it again? I'm just saying. It's a cycle. It's a cycle. And, and God's like, no, you don't. I delivered you from those fire ants. You don't want them again. But our flesh is like, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, I do want it. So that was the first question. How many, you know, well, if we could just live in fire ants, God would get glory for every time he delivered us out of the fire ants. Carol what's the problem with that? Is there a problem with that? What's the problem? Yeah, and, 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 it's, and the sin is pleasurable for a season, but it's not pleasurable as you're in it with the consequences. And so, again, we forget, as a dog returns to his vomit, a fool returns to his folly. And that's what Scripture tells us. And so, again, sin isn't as fun as you can remember that you thought it was. And that's the cycle. He says, stay out of the cycle. I've got you out of the cycle. And that was the first half of Romans chapter 6. The second half, they have another great question, Rick. Here's a question. All right. And I'll bet some of you have had this question before. The question was, Rick, okay, here's the deal. I'm saved by grace, can't lose my salvation, but I know it's right and wrong, but is it okay if I occasionally on purpose just sin? Is it okay? If, how many of y'all ever had that question? I know this is wrong. I know I'm saved. I'm walking with God, but is it okay? This looks fun. These fire ants, there's only one of them. It really doesn't even have teeth. I got a microscope. This fire ant, does. they told me these don't bite, okay? <laughs> They're lying. 
And that is who Satan is, is a liar. Sin bites. But, but they told me this doesn't bite. Is it okay? You know what? Is it okay if I just on purpose just sin a little bit? How many of you have honestly, again, I'm not going to judge you because I already know the answer. I'm just going to see who's going to be honest. How many of y'all have ever been faced with that? Where you've been faced with a temptation where you knew it was wrong. You tried justifying it. Maybe you even did in your head. But how many of y'all have had that question in your head besides me? Yeah. I want you to think about it as a fire ant. They're going to say it don't bite. But we know they're lying. <laughs> we know they're lying because that's what the word of God says. So that's where we're at in the second half of Romans. Revival through Romans. All right, so help me out. This is going to be our worship aerobics, y'all. This is the worship aerobics. Last week, y'all remember last week? Look back, look forward, look in so you can look around. All right, so here it's going to be. Everybody give, let me see your thumbs. Let me see your sanctified thumbs right here. All right, everybody say my way or Yahweh. All right, my way or Yahweh. One more time, I'll count of three. One, two, three. My way or Yahweh. And I want you, I know you're too cool to do that, Kurt, man. I mean, like, he, he didn't do it before. Come on, man. <laughs> my way or Yahweh. See, you're the one who really needs to do this because you're the stubborn. You're, you, and I can tell you're too stubborn to even do the hand motion. It's my way or Yahweh. I want you to challenge each other with that. When even as a couple, as friends, when you guys are making decisions, you're doing things, challenge each other. Just go, is it my way or Yahweh? Is it my way or God's way? That's what that Yahweh is. My way or Yahweh? My way or Yahweh? Challenge yourself with that. My way or Yahweh? And remember, my way is fire ants. <laughs> my way, if it doesn't coincide with Yahweh, God's way, is fire ants. I don't care what the world says. I know what God says. When we don't do it his way, the result is something's going to die. When we do it Yahweh, something's going to live. We do it my way, something's going to die. And that's what we see today in all of this. So this is revival through Romans. My way or Yahweh? My way or Yahweh? Challenge each other uh, in this. So that's the question in the second half. Is it okay to sin occasionally on purpose? Since I live under grace. You know what? I'm just going to do it. It's too hard to do the right thing right now. Anybody ever been faced with that? It's too hard to do the right thing. They're going to make fun of me. It's going to be embarrassing. It's like, I don't really want to stand out. I'm just going to do nothing when I should do something, whatever. You know what? I live under grace. God will forgive me. Will God forgive you? Yeah. God will forgive you. But are you going to get bit by the fire ant? Yes, you are. And there's you. Dude, how many of y'all, these are real Florida fire ants. I'm going to tell you about real Florida fire ants. Scott, you know about them up in the Tallahassee, up in there and everything. You know what they do? How many of y'all ever just got bit by one ant that was on you? You were lucky, dude, because you know what they usually do? It's like Islam, man. They, they kind of wait, and they get like a whole couple, 300 of them on you. Then they blow a whistle, and they bite at once. You know what I'm talking about, Chuck? Yeah. You, you don't even know. You, you're thinking you're going to get one ant. But what you're really going to get is you're going to get a whole pile full of them, man. That sin always hurts longer and hurts worse. 
it costs you more than you ever thought it would because you thought, oh, dude, man, I can, that's kind of cool, get bit by one ant. You know, this, they already, it isn't going to bite. They told me it isn't going to bite. So is it okay to sin occasionally, Paul, on purpose since I live under grace? Just give me that. Oh, I pushed too many. All right, so here, Paul answers that question. Look at this in Romans chapter 6, verse 15. He says, what then? Here's where he's answering the question. He's presenting the question. He's going to give you an answer, all right? I want you to see this. And then he gives an explanation. Because how many of y'all absolutely love it when you ask your parents or when you're younger or whatever, and you ask your parents and you say, oh, hey, can I do this? And they're like, no. And you're like, well, why? Marley, you ever mom ever like, no, you can't do that, you know? Uh, Lorelai, everyone were like, no, no, it's not happening. And you're like, why, why? Oh, and, and you guys get good. You got it from us because you had the drum. You're like, but why? <laughs> and you're like, oh, you're obnoxious. Just go do it and get out of my way. That's your goal, right? But some parents are tough. They, are, they just laugh at that. <laughs> but, but how many of y'all, do you guys absolutely love when you say, your parents say, you say, why? And they say, because I said so. Isn't that the greatest answer in the world? How many of y'all can remember back to when your parents said, because I said so? And you were like, oh, that makes all the difference in the world. Awesome. No problem. I remember the sixth commandment, I think, to honor and respect my parents and know you're way smarter than me and I have your genes and you have it all mapped out. Awesome. Because you said so. How many of y'all said, no, 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 dude? <laughs> I got to have a little, a little lanyap, a little more than that, right? Well, sometimes God, if we obey God, we obey God because he said so. But often God gives us a little lanyap, doesn't he? He gives us a little more encouragement and says, look, I love you, and this is why. And often we don't want to hear it. Often we try to justify and misconstrue it. But in reality, God does it because he loves us. So Paul is speaking on God's behalf. This is the word of God. He says, what then? <laughs> are we, you know, this is your next question. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? There's the question. Can't we just sin on purpose? And by the way, in chat, verse 1 of chapter 6, when it talks about sinning, it's talking in the Greek, which I don't want to bore you with all of that. You can look it up. But in the Greek, it's talking about a continual sin. Can we just keep, let's just keep sinning worse and worse. This one is talking about a point in time moment, the way this word sin is used. It's different than in verse one. Are, are we to sin? Can I just sin once? Can I just cheat once? Can I just, since I'm not under law and under the grace, I'm not going to do this all the time. But right now seems like an appropriate time to sin. Mary, you ever seen that before? Uh, not you, of course, but have you ever seen other people? This just seems like an appropriate time to sin. God's going to forgive me and it doesn't, I don't, you know what? It's not going to matter. How many of y'all are guilty? Whew, and the rest of y'all are guilty because you didn't raise your hand and you're lying. We're all guilty. We justify it. But we don't have to. We got to know that sin bites. So he said, Are we to, can't we just sin once because we're not under law but under grace? Hey, what did Paul answer? Can you read that out there? What, what, what's the last part? <laughs> what did he say? On count of three. Everybody read those three words. One, two, three. Oh, now give it to me in your parental voice. All right? 
How many of y'all got a parental voice? How many of y'all not had, you're like, I have not had to use that parental voice long. Give me a six-year-old boy parental voice, you know? One, two, three. No. There you go. By absolutely no means. No. Why? Why do you want to get bit again, you idiot? <laughs> again. You didn't see that in the Greek? <laughs> it's there. It's stupid. No. And those words are words in the Bible. I will show them to you, all right? And there's appropriate times to use them, and this is one of them. Come on, let me just stick my hand in the fire ant mound one more time. Hey, Skylar, do you know where that fire ant mound was? Can you find it again? Dude, if you want, Skylar, he is a certified licensed tour guide taking people for a minimal charge. He will take you to the fire ant mound and, and, and let you get bit if you want. Skylar, are you in? Yeah, because if they want to be stupid enough to go do it and get bit, I'll take their money because they're obviously going to do some other stupid thing with their money. So you might as well give it to me because I'll do something smart, right? <laughs> so if you want, a, a, if you want a, a tour, I bet he could hook you up. How many of y'all are like thinking, oh boy, I can't wait till church is over. I get a tour. How many of y'all are jumping out of your skin like Emily was before the wedding and, and you can't wait for that tour? By the way, Skylar, you couldn't see her back there. When we were back there behind with all the garbage cans in that little romantic area where we kind of walked out, uh, I, I'm going to walk. She was jumping, literally. She's like, <laughs> you, you know, Tyler, she's like, I can't wait. This is going to be awesome. How many of y'all are feeling the same way about his fire ant tour? No, because the devil doesn't present it that way. He's like, oh, dude. I'll go easy on you. I'll let you just get one. It's a pretty cool sensation, just one. And it doesn't bit. We'll let you get used to it. And then if you think you want to take to the next level, we will. But before you know it, I'm telling you, you've got fire ants all over you. And you're screaming for God to help. And God will come and help. But guess what? What happens when you get bit by fire ants, Abby? What does it turn into? Yeah, you ever have a pussy mess on your arm? Yeah, it's very attractive, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, whoa, cool, dude, you must have been at the fire ant party. You know, it was like, you had this big pussy mess, and that's part of life. That's part of the consequences of sin that God Almighty says, I don't want you to be a part of. What then? Are we to sin because we're not our law but under grace? By no means, please don't do it. So he goes on. Uh, the next part I want you to understand in this is Paul tells them you will not be the exception to the rule. How many times have you ever thought you're the exception? Oh, you know what? They did it that way. It's not going to happen to me. Anybody ever thought that way? Every one of y'all have. That's one of the devil's biggest pleas, uh, ploys is you're, you're the exception to the rule. No, if it's the rule, you're, you're going to be, that's what's going to happen to you. There's no exception to the rule. You know what? There's just different timelines, different circumstances. But it's going to happen because God says it's going to happen. He said, you'll not be the exception rule. You will be a, what's the next word? Slave to the one you obey. So whoever you obey, if it's my way, who are you obeying? Yeah, if it's my way, you're obeying yourself. Or if it's Yahweh, who are you obeying? 
So it's either my way or Yahweh. If, if you're obeying my way and it's not Yahweh, you're obeying my way. And that's walking in the, in the flesh. And you will reap the consequences of, of walking in the flesh. But he says, you don't have to. You can do it Yahweh. You can do it my way, God says. And you can walk in the spirit. And what are some of the... Chuck, what's your favorite fruit of the spirit, bro? Peace. Yeah. How many of y'all got another one? If Karen was here, it'd be self-control. She used to like that one, right? What else? What's another favorite fruit of the spirit? Y'all help me out. Say that. Joy. Love, peace, joy, goodness, gentleness, meekness, self all of those if you choose Yahweh instead of my way. You'll not be the exception to the rule. You know what? He says you will be a slave. What is the difference? And this is something that our translations have done us an injustice with. It's still the truth. But did you know, how many of y'all would rather be a servant than a slave? How many of y'all like that terminology better? I'm a servant. Better than a slave. But do you know that nine times out of ten, in fact, there's very few, if ever, it means actually servant. With the connotation of a servant, servant kind of gives you that idea that you're hired. Right? I'm a servant. I'm hired. I'm going to sign up for this. I'll sign up for this. As long as I do a bunch of serving, I am good. But I get to choose. That's the connotation with servant. But nine times out of ten in the New Testament, it's the word dulios, which means slave. And you know what slave means? Slave means ownership. You see, servant kind of has a connotation of that I'm, 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 I'm a hired employee. I can choose. Does a slave who is owned by someone have an opportunity to choose? No. You put yourself under a master and you do whatever that master wants. And what Paul's going to tell us in this section is you are a slave, period. You think you're going to live this life and make choices on your own? You think you're going to be free from from being a slave to anybody because I'm calling my own shots? He says, you're foolish. You are either going to be a slave to righteousness when you give your life to Christ. Now, Christ owns you. Is that not what you did? Did you not get, how many of y'all gave your life to Christ? Then who owns you? Christ, you were a slave. And it's not a bad thing. The bad part about slavery is who your master is. In fact, you go back in the Old Testament and when they were working for somebody as an indentured slave and they decided that they wanted to keep that status. Dude, I could not do any better than have this person as my master. And my wife and my whole family, everything's cool. They put their ear up on the doorpost and they poke a hole in it and they pierce their ear to signify that. And that's a picture of what we do with Christ. We surrender and he owns us. We are not on a volunteer for Christ. We are, we are not like, a, a, you know, well, I'll volunteer to do this. I'll volunteer. No, he owns every bit of you. And so what Paul's going to tell us here, contrary to how we want to view slavery, and, and again, it's not saying slavery is right in the way it was done and different. And how many of y'all know that in the Middle East right now, slavery is huge. In Africa, it's huge. In America, through child trafficking and human trafficking, it's huge. It's not gone. It's just different now. But the fact is, he says, you're either going to be a slave to sin. And what that means is sin owns you. Or, he says, Christ owns you. Righteousness owns you. You'll be a slave to righteousness or you will be a slave to sin. Period. 
There's no in-between. No, 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 no. Dude, you know what? I am in total control of this fire ant tour. <laughs> I'm in total control. I'm not a slave. I'm the one choosing how many fire ants come on me. I'm the one who's choosing if they're going to bite. I'm the one choosing. No, you're not. He said, you are owned by a sin when you commit it, and you are owned by righteousness when you commit it. And Christ saved us so we could be a slave to righteousness. Let me, let me bring out an illustration, and then I'll show you the scripture here. I've used this before, and I hope it doesn't pop this time, but all right. How many of y'all saw me doing this in my truck, and you were like looking at me laughing, Tanya? And she pulled up next to me, and by the way, you parked pretty close, and I'm very impressed that you did not hit my truck, all right? So be careful on the way out. <laughs> you can see how good a care I take of that, you know. No, but no I love my truck, but, but yeah, I'm blowing... All right, so when we come into the world, we are a slave. Are we a slave to Christ or are we a slave to ourselves? Yahweh or my way? My way, my way. We come in, it's all about me. I am a selfish person. Here I am. And all I can do is choose to do things within this selfish nature. That's it. Well, wait a minute. I know a lot of people aren't saved and they're not selfish. Oh, yes, they are. You know how I know that? Because scripture says they are. This is what God says. I know who I was. Did I do things? Did I know how to kiss up? And I know how to, oh, hey, how many of y'all remember Leave It to Beaver? You remember Leave It to Beaver? How many of y'all remember Eddie Haskell? What'd you think of Eddie Haskell? Oh, gee, Mrs. Cleaver, your hair looks wonderful today, right? What was he doing? What was he doing, Scott? Oh, kissing up, man. That's exactly, yeah. If the world's doing anything nice, it's for their benefit. They have a sin nature, and just as dogs bark, sinners sin. And this is the nature we come in this world with. How many of y'all like this nature? Did any of y'all like, dude, I am so ticked off that God saved me, and, and now I got another name. Is that you, JT? What the heck was God thinking, man? I love this nature and all the trouble I got in with it. And all the, is that what we felt? How many of y'all were sick of this nature? You were tired of being bit by fire ants. Yeah, sin had a pleasure for a minute, but then when the consequences hit, that's when the fire ants bit. How many of y'all were so grateful when God gave you a new nature and got rid of this one? Amen. And so at some point, oh no, I lost part of my balloon. All right, hang on, hang on. Oh no, please don't do it. Okay, here. Okay, I made these this morning on the way to church. So, got to do some when you're doing 25 on the drive, right? No, I'm just joking. All right. So then, at some point, when you hated this nature, God gave you grace, and through faith, you were able to accept that grace, and you were then able to now have Christ in your life, right? You gave your life to Christ, right? Now, what do you look like? You got a new nature. How many of y'all know? How many of you ever seen a baby Christian? Someone who gets saved. How many of y'all know there's something? Well, what do you think about when you think, Trent, what do you think about a baby? You're doing prison ministry and stuff. What do you think when people get saved? What are they like? Woo! Yes, awesome! Jesus this, Jesus that. God, yes, my Yahweh, not my way. You know what I mean? They're doing cheers. They're doing everything, right? And then what do old Christians say? Well, you'll settle down and be lukewarm like us one day. Why? Because when you get saved, you got nothing in the way. Your whole life is about Christ. 
right? That's all that you see. And he takes away your old nature, but he leaves this flesh. And your flesh has been trained to enjoy this world. You know what's the difference between your old nature and the flesh? The old nature actually had power over you. It had power to make you sin. In fact, when all you were was this, hold on, when this is all you were was this, sin controlled you. You were a, sin, a slave to sin. You had no power over it. That's why you needed to be saved. And when he saved you, he took the power of sin away. And there's no power. God, the devil cannot make you sin. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there's no temptation taking you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that you're able. But with the temptation, he will make a way to escape. You know why I know that scripture so well? Because I have to apply it every stinking day. To know the flesh has no, the old man had power over me, but what I got now has no power. I can say no. It has no power unless I give it power and I give into it. What has power now is the new man, the new man in Christ. So again, that's what he's saying. <laughs> You're a, okay, so here's your decision. I'm going to do it Yahweh. This is Yahweh, right? Oh, but here's the decision when I'm going to do it. What? I'm not doing it Yahweh. I'm doing it what? My way. Now what do you look like? You look like your old self. What do you feel like? Your old self. What do you like? And if your old self was that great, why did you give it up? Because you know it wasn't. And that's what Paul's saying. Why would you want to do this? You are not going to be the exception of the rule to go do this in this momentary decision and not look like your old self. Oh, no, no, no. You don't understand. I, I'm in moderation. I can sin in moderation. You show me that in Scripture. You know what you do when you sin in moderation? You open the door for the devil to get a foothold in. And he may let you think you got some moderation. You got some control in your sin. And you're thinking, oh, look. In fact, when you first sin, what's it like? If you first sin, you're like, ooh, I'm going to get killed. Oh, wait a minute. I'm not. <gasps> okay. Okay. And you know what the devil does? He lets you get away with it until it becomes part of your lifestyle. There will, there will at some point, once it's part of your lifestyle, you will go to excess with whatever that sin is when the circumstances are, 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 are insurmountable and you will all of a sudden be like this old man. And you know why I know that? Because that's what Scripture says. You will be a slave to the one you serve. No, I, I'm not. I can control it. No, you can't and you will see it. If it's sin, it's sin, and it's controlling you. If it's righteousness, it's righteousness, and righteousness is controlling you. There is no in-between, and that's the beauty of this. Because this, so many times, we want to think, oh, no, no, here's me. <laughs> this is me. No, it's not according to this scripture. You are one or the other. And once you get saved, this flesh that the world system that Satan created that you have trained for so long before you got saved. It has no control over you, but you can give the world control over it. You can give in. One day we'll get to get to heaven and this will not be there anymore. Anybody looking forward to that day? <laughs> All I'll have is this, amen? So you will not be the exception to the rule. That is a lie straight out of the pit of hell. 
But everybody thinks, oh no, I can control. No, the devil is allowing you to have. In fact, in Ecclesiastes, what does it say? It says, man, because the consequences of sin do not come expediently. Because consequence, as soon as you sin, God doesn't whack you with a fly swatter. Because they don't come expediently, what does he say? Man continues to sin. When do you stop? When do people stop? When do you stop? Pickleball Ralph, when do you stop? Yeah, when the consequences are so great that God, get the fire ants off me! This is not what I signed up for! God help! And God helps. All the way back, all the way back to the book of Judges, all the way to us. But I want you to know, according to the book of Romans, this flesh has no power unless you give it to it. Do not rub honey on your legs and go walk near a fire ant mound. Oh, watch me. Oh. <laughs> I don't care how good a dancer you are. <laughs> They're going to get you eventually. Because you're going to get tired. You're going to get worn down. You're going to be in a circumstance. You're going to be in a situation. And now when sin has power because you've given it power, now it can take full control. When it has no control, only righteousness does. You'll not be the exception of the rule. You will be a slave to the one you obey. Check this out. And I, 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 the, So far you can say, well, that's your opinion, Pastor. No, this is Paul's opinion, which is God's opinion, which is the truth. This is the word of God. He says, do you not know that if you present yourself, uh, you present yourself because it has no power over you. To anyone as obedient slaves, so whoever you present yourself to, you are slaves of the one whom you obey. You're a slave to righteousness or you are a slave to sin. But who does not have control? If you are a slave, Gary, if you are, I, I got to wake you up over here, man. You're doing so awesome staying awake, man. Man, I want to congratulate you today, bro. That's <laughs> If, if, if you're either a slave to righteousness or a slave to sin, who has no control? Exactly. But isn't that the fallacy? Oh, I can control it. Oh, it, I can do this in moderation. I can do this for this situation and that one. And oh, no, I'm never going to be. Uh, man, I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you a story. None of you in here, I'm looking around, absolutely none of you know who this person is, and there's only one alive right now, and you never know who they are. And I wouldn't do that if there was a chance that you would, but I'm going to tell you a story. About 20 years ago or so, maybe 15 years ago, I had a couple who came to me, and, and, and they said, man, we are sick of it, we are tired of it, we are addicted to crack, Y'all remember crack cocaine, four meth, four whatever? There's always something the devil's talking about. We're addicted to crack, man, and we're sick of this. We're robbing our families blind. We can't get far. We can't move anything. And I said, well, look, your solution is God. Your solution is, is Yahweh, not my way. And, and you're going to need some God in the flesh, some accountability that you can be true with. And you'll tell me, you know, I'll be that accountability if you want me to be that accountability. And like, yes, pastor, if you will do that, that would be awesome. Three years, 365 days times three, however much that is, my mathematicians, every single day, twice a day, I had contact with them because I loved them, and God put me in that position, and this is not the only situation I've had like this. 
But I want you to know, invested, because God put me in that position. And one day I was going to answer to God and he said, what'd you do when I brought that couple in your life? I want to give him an answer and I want God to say, well done, good and faithful servant, because that's who I'm pleasing in this. And, 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 and so the accountability, and at first it was like, oh, we messed up. Okay, okay, what are we going to do? Let's put a plan together. Because if you've got an addiction and everybody's got something, everybody's got something, man. But I'm just saying, you got to have a plan. You can't just, oh, intentions do not work. You have all the great intentions you want, but again, uh, and you have all the lies you want. Oh, moderation. Oh, let's do crack in moderation. How about that? No, but it's no different than any other sin because Paul said right here, you're a slave to either the sin or you're a slave to righteousness. There's no in-between. And you're like, well, why is he talking about crack? I don't do crack. No, you do something else. And I'm not here to convict you on this. I'm here to let you know what God has for you in your life, and it's not to have that. So every single day, man, for three years, man, we spoke. We held him, I held him accountable, and man, we prayed. And, and sometimes you just need Jesus in the flesh. And that's another thing that Satan would love to have you believe is that you can do this on your own with no accountability. You need Jesus in the flesh. That's why these small groups are awesome. That's why you find people to help you see life from God's perspective. You, you, Satan makes you feel like you're a loser if you can't do this on your own. I'm big and I'm tough enough to just do this on my own. No, you need somebody. You need accountability. But you need biblical accountability. Three years, dude. You know where they went in three years, man? Three years. They were clean for three years. <laughs> dreamt something they'd never dreamt they could do. They Thought they saved enough money because they didn't blow it on stuff. Man, they had a budget. They, they bought a house. <laughs> they bought a house. It was like, yes, praise God. Man, they were, after three years, nobody in the church would have ever even dreamt of who they were three years prior because their life was so different and so changed. It was beautiful, man. They were actually thinking about Wow, we never thought we could have kids. We can actually maybe have a kid right now. Then all of a sudden, one New Year's Eve came, and I didn't see him at church the next week. So if I'm ever checking on y'all, <laughs> if I am your shepherd, I'm checking on you because that's my job. It's not I'm trying to be the, the what was that movie? I'm not trying to be the cable guy. <laughs> I'm, I'm not trying to get in your business, but if God has brought, I'm going to give an answer to God for you one day. What did you do when they were in your life? I said, I loved them with everything I had, and, and I was their shepherd. They allowed me to have that position. If ever you go somewhere else and you got a different shepherd, dude, let me know. <laughs> he, he, he can have you now. No, I'm just joking. It's like, no, I'm serious. You get a different shepherd, that's what you do when you change churches. You put yourself under the authority of a different shepherd, and I'm not going to fight with shepherds over sheep because God has people for seasons. And so if that's your shepherd, man, you don't need to get you about 20 shepherds and then get the opinion of 20 shepherds and pick whichever one you want, because that's what church people do sometimes. But man, I checked on them. They didn't come after, Thanksgiving, after, after New Year's, and I was like, hmm, I called them, and they didn't return my calls, but that was, in fairness, in the pager days. Y'all remember pagers? <laughs> Y'all remember pagers? Beep, 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 beep. Whoa, ooh, code seven. I got to find a payphone and call my wife now. <laughs> Y'all remember that ridiculousness? We paid for that service just to know somebody was looking for us. But, man, I called them. 
I finally had to track them down. And I was like, what's going on, man? And they had so much shame in their life. Because after three years, they had shame. They felt like they let me down. But that's part of accountability, dude. Accountability is when you let, what, you're going to go do it by yourself now? No, that's the time you get back in your accountability. And, and so here it came. Man, I'm like, what happened? They said, dude, this guy came over. He got out of jail. <laughs> go figure. He got out of jail, and he showed up on New Year's, and he brought some. Everything in us was not to do it, but he pressured us. And none of y'all submit to any kind of pressure, do you? And all of a sudden, they did it that one night. And I asked the guy, I said, man, I said, so how much have you done? And he said, well, we've, we've done it for three or four days now straight. And we're like, you want to keep doing that? And he's like, no. They both told me no. And we started the whole accountability process over again. With him, it worked. And he's clean to this day, and he's alive. With her... She continued to do it and neglected the accountability. Wouldn't have accountability with anybody because she already knew what accountability was going to say. And she got to see accountability as a negative thing instead of a positive thing. Hey, you got a fire ant on your back. <laughs> she saw it as a negative thing and, and avoided it because she didn't want to change. One day he called me up. He said, hey, um, man, I need your help. And I'm like, what? He said, meet me over at my house. I went to his house, all his windows were broken. There was spray paint, and there were things written on the inside that I don't have the liberty to even share with you how nasty they were. And they were written with feces. It was written with, his whole house was destroyed. Because the guys, I'll just, I'll say this, she became a crack whore. She had to buy her crack somehow. And she sold her body. And while she's high, and selling her body, these guys who are supplying her are destroying this house this couple built. I'm talking feces, saying stuff about her, writing on the walls, and the windows are broke. And I'm like, right off the bat, I'm like, dude, let's call the police, and we call the police. And the never forget this. And for the, uh, I, I never forgot this. When the police came, they said, well, who did this? Well, these guys did. Well, who were they with? Did they break in? No, no, they came in with his wife. And the police officer said, there's absolutely nothing I can do about this. In Florida, what's hers is his, and his is hers. And if she's allowed this, then this is it. Three years, man, just destroyed. Oh, I can handle it. I, I, I'm, you know... He had to move away. In fact, he moved back in with his parents. Parents are dead now. He lives in their house, but that house went away. It's gone. It's destroyed. As you can imagine. How many of y'all would raise your hand right now and say, that will never be me? Raise your hand. Honestly, you're thinking in your head, heck no, there is absolutely no possible way. That's me. Raise your hand. I think some of y'all are. I think some of y'all inside are saying, "No way, that ain't me. It ain't never happening to me." But you ain't gonna raise your hand because you know what I'm gonna say. You raise your hand right now, and I'm gonna say, "I am praying for you fervently." Anytime somebody says that'll never be me, man, you beef up the prayers for that person because now they have challenged the devil. And if you don't honestly think it may not be crack, it may be something else. It could be money, it could be debt, it could be anything. 
But if you don't think you're capable of that, you don't understand this scripture. That's why you walk in the spirit in your new nature, knowing old nature's gone. All you have left is flesh and flesh has no power over you. You make the right choices, but all it took for them, and it's, 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 it's classic. I could give you more stories, not as horrible. I purposely picked that one because I feel like everybody in here inside would say, heck no, that's never me. That doesn't apply. I feel bad for them. But I want you to know there's something out there the devil would love to eat you alive with. And all it's going to take is, let me just cross this line. I got it. I got it. It's no big deal. I'll get back over. I'm only doing this tonight, and I'll get back over. You don't know how long sin lasts. You don't know what it's going to cost, and you don't know how much it's going to hurt. But Scripture says, do you not know that if you present yourself to anyone as obedient slaves, the, and he says you're either a slave to righteousness or a slave to unrighteousness, you are slaves of the one you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. Righteousness. JT, how many choices we got here? Eric, how many choices we got here in this? You're either a slave to unrighteousness or a slave to righteousness. How many choices? Well, yeah. Yeah, one viable one, but you got two choices. That's it. There's nothing in between. But isn't that where we always think we're going to, isn't that what the world wants us to think we can live in between? We can, we can jump the fence and go back, and we can go forth, and we can go back. No. When you give in to sin, you are now a slave to that sin. It owns you. It owns you for that moment. It owns you for that moment. And, and, and if you don't get back over and realize who really owns you, then you can let this take you farther. Because it only, if you're a believer and you do this, which we all do, we can be deceived. And we get farther and farther and farther away from God. And what, ha what happens when we're all the way over here? Just like Israel, hell! But the process of coming back hurts. The process isn't always instant. There's consequences. But God can use that in a mighty way. But he doesn't want you to keep repeating that cycle. And that's our nature. Do not, do you not know? And he said, so again, he goes on to say, you, whom you obey, either, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. Look at this real quick. We're almost done. Um, 1 Corinthians 10, uh, 10, 12. I quote Corinthians 10, 18. Write this down. Think about this. Listen to what this says. In 1 Corinthians 10, 12. He says, therefore, let anyone... How many of y'all are in anyone? Anybody here in anyone? All right. Anyone... Who thinks that he stands, take heed lest he fall. You know, it's the one in the most dangerous position, the one standing saying, ha, look, I got nothing. I'm good. I can do what God doesn't want me to do, and I'm okay. Because at any time, I come back right over here. I'm in control. That's what this message is about. That's what Paul's telling them. Dude, you're saying, you're asking me a question, Paul says. Hey, can I, now that I'm under grace, now that I have eternal life, can I just on purpose go sin once? And just be okay. Just let me do it on purpose once. Can I do that? And he says, no. Because you have no idea how far that sin's going to take you and how much it's going to cost and how much it's going to hurt. You think you're standing. This is the same dude. You think you're standing. You better take heed lest you fall. The cocky you are standing, the closer you are to falling. 
And Satan would love you to fall from the highest level. That's why he doesn't attack you instantly in this. So obedience to God will always lead to eternal life. It's an eventual process. And obedience to sin will always lead to death. And it will be an eventual process. Doesn't always happen instantly. Right now, if you overdosed on opioids, you'd probably die or get the remedy or whatever. But the fact is, is with most things, it's going to be a process. Same thing with eternal life. In the end, God says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything you need will be. Will be is what? Is that present, past, or future? Future. Everything you need will be given unto you. It's a process. But we want instant. That's why the world's really brought us into this instant world so we can know what we want it instantly. And if you want instant gratification, you're probably always going to be making the wrong choice. So obedience to God's will always leads to eternal life. Obedience to sin will always lead to death. Death of dreams, death of hopes, death of, 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 of dreams, death of relationships. But look at this. It doesn't have to be that way, and that's the point. So if you walk out here saying, God, all he talked about was death and sin. and what? No, I'm holding this one. This is what I want you to be. This is who God wants you to be. Look what Paul says. Woo, but thanks be to who? God, that you who were in the past want slaves to sin. He's talking to his believers. The people in Rome who are believers says, you once were slaves to sin, so people who are not saved are slaves to sin. Sin controls them. How many of you remember back when sin controlled you? Dude, there were so many times I woke up in a situation where I'm just like, I'm never doing that again. And all the devil had to do was dangle the right bait. But you know what? He didn't have to do that as a believer now. I got to consciously make a choice and go into myself that I'm acting like my old person. Has no control. Thanks be to God that you who were once slaves to sin, you have become obedient from the where? From, from where, where, Bob? I know you got your mouth full right now. You're biting your finger. You're, you're obedient from where? From the. The heart. And you know why I'm picking on you? Because when you got saved, dude, right after COVID, what did all your buddies and everybody say when you got saved? What did they think? Yeah, he's, dude, he doesn't get mad anymore. He's having a nervous breakdown. He's like lost it, dude. He's not be your butt Bob like he used to be. He's not, did you know that was your name? But I'm just saying, it's like, Bob, he must be high all the time because he just doesn't care. Why don't you care? Because God's got it under control. He changed your heart. And that's what the unbelieving people around you saw. So your heart was changed. And there, people can't deny that when your heart is changed. And that's what he's saying. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart. You have new desires if you're saved to do the right thing. You become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. Basically, when you got saved, people told you who God was. You saw from the word of God who he was. You saw doctrine. And you said, wow. And you said, I, that's how I want to live, according to what God says. He said, that, that's what God put in your heart now. And having been set, set what? Free from sin. You got this old man, but he's got no 
control over you. You don't have to sin. You've been set free from sin, and you have become, what's the next word? Slaves. Slaves of what? Righteousness. So who owns you now? <laughs> who owns you now? God owns you now. You're his slave. He owns you. You're not volunteering. He owns you. And, and he's equipped you to do the right thing always. Now, if you want to jump ship, God wants you, and he set you up to succeed, and you still want to go on Skylar's fire rant tour? <laughs> How many of y'all are still thinking about that? Dude, hurry up, pastor. I'm so anxious. I want to see that. I want to get bit by fire ants. Can you imagine God's goodness? He's like, nope, I want to go on that fire ant tour. But that's what it takes for us to become slaves of sin again. You, having been set free from sin, you become slaves of righteousness. God, if you want to be busy doing good things, Barb, is that possible? Is it possible? Yeah. It, who do you got to ask? God. Hey, God, what do you want me to do now? Oh, I want you to go on this fire ant tour and get bit by fire ants. Is that what he's going to say? No. Dude, I want you to go here. This is what I want you to do. This is what I want. And, okay, what do I do now? Boom. What do I do now? Donna, what do I do now? If you ask God what to do now, will he give you something to do? Yes. He'll give you something to do. And for people like me, you know what? Sometimes I'll say, what do you want me to do now? And he says, shut up. I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay. Okay, I'll listen now. But some of you, he's like, what do you want me to do now? I want you to talk. Oh, <laughs> but I'm an introvert. No, you're a slave of mine. I want you to do what I'm asking you to do right now. And it's a good thing. And if you're busy doing the right thing, what can't you be busy doing, Barb? Yeah, exactly. Kathy, if your life is full of the right thing, there ain't no room for the wrong thing. And that's what his intention is in this. Having been set free from sin and having become slaves of righteousness. Look at this. I'm almost done. Um, I am, oh, that's not it. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. So he's given human illustrations. He said, for just as you once presented your members, that's your weapons. We learned that in the first part. Members is equivalent to weapons. He equipped you with weapons. You can use it for unrighteousness or righteousness. But once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. Did y'all read that? Did you see your past? Did you see pre-Christ in there? Katie, did you see pre-Christ in there? Look what he says. Look at this again. For just as you once presented all, was, was how many of y'all, and again, I'm not glorying this, but you remember the days where you presented everything you had to unrighteousness. Dude, you were looking for the most unrighteous thing there was because that's what you thought fun would, and, and, and since you thought that's what satisfaction was found in, Right? One guy, he said, I want to check, listen to this, man. He said, I want to be as good a Christian as I was a sinner. <laughs> Think if that was our goal. How, did, did you ever work really hard at sinning and getting in trouble and being bad? Yeah. Yeah. I want to be as good a Christian as I was at being a sinner, man. That would be a good goal, wouldn't it, Scott, uh, Spencer? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'd be a good Christian if you were just as good at that. And that's what he's saying you can be. So that's what he's saying. Just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, which led to more lawlessness, now instead present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. You know what sanctification is, Eric? It's becoming more like God. Are you going to become more like God by doing righteous or going back and doing the wrong thing? 
Yeah. Do you want to become more like God? You do? That's good, because if you don't, you're going to hate heaven. <laughs> you understand that? If you're like, dang, I don't want to be like God, you're going to hate heaven. And, you're, and good news for you, you're probably not going, if that's not your desire. Not good news, it's bad news. There is good news that you can. But when you're saved, that's our desires to become more like God. That's what heaven is going to be. We're going to be like him. And he's giving us the opportunity moment by moment. That's his goal for our lives to become more like him now. So just as you used to be really good at sinning, now be that good as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification, being more like God. For when you were slaves to sin, you were free in regards to righteousness. Back when y'all were trying to, trying to sin, and we were trying to sin, and man, you know what was so good? When I got saved, God said, now you can use your big mouth to do something besides get in trouble. Some of y'all can relate to that, Sue. I'm just saying. <laughs> But literally, you know what? When I was trying to be unrighteous, dude, there was nothing making me trying to do the right thing. And if I was ever going to do the right thing, it was for selfish motives. <laughs> so it wasn't the right thing. So he said, when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regards to right. You weren't, nobody was asking you to do the right thing. In fact, you, you were really equipped to do the wrong thing, and that's what you were good at doing. He said, but what fruit were you getting in that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? So let me ask you a question. You go back to that old life. You go back. Hang on, man. I'm trying not to pop this thing. When, you, when this was who you are, how many of y'all can remember this? Can you go back and you can remember? How many of y'all got things you're ashamed of? I'm not asking you to bring them up. I'm just saying how many of y'all got things you're ashamed of? I am. And that's what he's saying. What, what fruit... You know, you, had, you didn't have to do anything righteous. You could only do the wrong thing. That was, that, no one was requiring righteousness from you. But what fruit were you getting? You know what happened, man? You were, you were waking up with somebody you didn't ever want to wake up with next to again. You're having a hangover and you're covered in vomit or something. You're, you're in all different situations. Your situations that the fruit was not good. What fruit were you getting at the time from the things which are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. The end of sin is death, he says, but, oh, let's see. Uh, oh, I got to go back one more. Oh, but now that you have been set free from sin, you're set free. This old man is gone and this flesh has no control over you. But the devil keeps luring the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life for you to give in, but it can't control you. I've shared it before. Y'all remember Geraldine? Flip Wilson, Geraldine, Flip Wilson show, back in the day. Let me see how old you are. Some of y'all, you know, I don't even, dude, it is so old, it is not even on YouTube. Can you believe that? I guarantee y'all would not even be able to find it. But again, she would do stupid, it was a guy dressed up like girl, do stupid things and always say, what? Devil made me do it. And the whole world said, ha, oh, that's good. And I heard everybody would do wrong things like, ooh, they'd use her Geraldine voice. Oh, the devil made me do it. You know, sorry for that bad Geraldine voice, man. If you got a better one, let me hear it. But it was an excuse. It was viable. But the word of God says it's not. But now you've been set free from sin. You become slaves of God. So if you're a slave of God, who owns you, Chuck? You don't own you. Man, you don't own you. you God owns you. Dude, Marley. Man, Marley, Marley works for you, right? Making surfboards, fixing surfboards, helping you out. What would you, what would you think if Marley was sneaking up coast and teaching all of your secrets to one of your competitors, man? 
Yeah, dude, there'll be some unrighteousness there. So what I'm saying is, so you work for God. What do you think he's thinking when you're going and sneaking out and working for the enemy? The one that you, oh, Chuck, hired me. This guy's a jerk. I don't want to work for him. Oh, he's so bad. Oh, I'll never let you be in that position again. And then he goes back and works for him. Duh. That's what God's saying here. He's, man, dude, you're free. You've been set free from sin and you become slaves of God. The fruit, uh, (coughs) the fruit you get leads to sanctification. It makes you more like God and its end is eternal life, a quality of life, not a quantity of life. Your life is better when you become more like God. Look at this last verse. This is the one we use the witness a lot with, but it's really talking to you as a believer. If you're going to go to work for somebody, you better know what you're getting paid, right? So he says, you want to go to work for sin back over here again, which you don't have to. You know what you're going to earn? You're going to earn death. Go live in sin. Your, die, your relationships are going to die. Your dreams are going to die. Your hopes are going to die. The world's telling you it's the way to succeed, but everything's going to die. That's your paycheck. Work hard. Work hard at that sin because that's the paycheck. It's dead. Something's going to die. But the free gift of God, which is grace, <laughs> the desire and ability to do what he wants you to do is eternal life. That's a quality of life. And it's in Christ Jesus, our Lord. What paycheck you want? Eric, what paycheck you want? <laughs> you want death or you want life? Matthew Zimba, what paycheck you want, man? Eternal life, which is a quality of life you get right now. Having, having what? what? What do you get, Chuck? Peace, right? You get love, you get joy, you get... Man, how many of y'all want that as your paycheck? Or how many of y'all want to go live with a bunch of, oh man, this world's horrible and it just keeps beating me up and like, you know, and, uh, which one do you want? That's what this verse is really about. You got to know what your paycheck is and know you've been set up to succeed. This old flesh that's left once you're born again can't make you do anything. This now has power over you. Make sure... You're working for the man, the right man. And it will be well worth your time. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Everything you need will be added unto you. You need to give your life to Christ. That's how you start it. And once you do, you move out of the family of Adam, which is death, and you move into the family of God. So if you are in the Adam's family, if you're in the Adam's family and you know you're there, and you need Christ and you have the desire. He's giving you that desire. Surrender everything you know about yourself to everything you know about him. Get in God's family. And if you're in God's family, quit going back to work for the enemy. It's much more rewarding to work for Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us this word. Father, it's been taking me three, four, five weeks to even make sense out of it, to in my own head and in my own heart, in context, to be able to try to present it in such a way that it would make sense to the group that you've given me to feed. Father, I pray that something made sense to someone, to everyone, that everyone heard something that makes sense to them and they know that you, not me, but you spoke to them today and they have a mandate. 
And they know that you love them more than anything and you only want the best for them. Help us all understand that with every choice we make, we're either using our weapons for unrighteousness and it's going to produce death or we're using our weapons for righteousness, which is going to produce life. Father, just so we didn't get caught on accident, help us to spend our entire life serving you. I am so grateful that I am your slave because that means it's your responsibility to take care of everything about me. From my vehicles, to my house, to where I live, to what I do, to my body, to everything. And I know you love me more than anyone could. So Father, help me be a good slave. I pray for these things in Jesus' name.